Sadly, not all broken people turn back to God for forgiveness, restoration, and healing. Sadly, many who once knew Jesus, worshipped him with passion, experienced the Spirit for themselves, but had an unfortunate experience that just shattered their lives. Rather than turning to the outstretched loving arms of Jesus, they moved away from the one who wanted to lead them back to wholeness and healing. Today's message is for those of you who once knew God, but you turned your back on him for whatever reason, uh, something uh, broke in you, but the good news is you're here today or you're watching online and maybe you're willing to give God another chance. Today's message is also for those of you who never knew God. You, you never really experienced him, but you're here today or watching online because deep down you wonder if God might just be able to touch you and heal you at your point of need. And today's message is for someone who knows someone and is praying for someone who strayed from God or is praying for someone who has just avoided God. You know how desperately they need him and you yearn for them to come to Jesus. And today's message might just help you to have a, a loving, crucial, prayer-empowered conversation with that friend or loved one. Friends, the truth is, it is in our nature to go astray. It is in our nature to just drift. Even those of us who've lived lives closely connected to the life and power of Jesus, we've all strayed and wandered at one point or another. The problem is, so often when we wander from God, we, we just keep wandering and, and spiraling down, and our lives just get increasingly rough and difficult. And as our lives continue in this descent, we find it harder to turn back to God who loves us, the, the God who wants to change our lives for the better, who, who wants to empower us to become all that he designed for us to be. Friends, hear me. The truth is, the closer I get to God, the more my life is going to be transformed, healed, made whole. We see this throughout the story of the Bible. Many of you know the story of the Apostle Paul. He was a terrorist, a religious terrorist, responsible for the death of many followers of Jesus. He traveled all over the Mediterranean world seeking to execute Christian believers when he finally met Jesus face to face. He was radically transformed from a terrorist to the apostle of love. He went on to write one of the most beautiful poems on love ever penned by a, by a man, King David. He knew God as a shepherd boy. He knew God well as a shepherd boy. In fact, when God called him to be the king of Israel, as he was a shepherd, God called him a man after his own heart. But that man after God's own heart let the luxuries of being king lead him to fall from faith and obedience to the God he once loved. He seduced a woman. He used his position of power to get her into bed. Friends, today we would see this as much more than just adultery. We would call it rape. How else would you describe a king using his position of power to lure a woman into bed with him? And then when he found out that she was pregnant with his child, he, he used his power to have her husband killed in the battlefield so that she could move into the palace with him. So you can add murder to rape. Yet God, in his incredible love, would pursue David, use a prophet to convict David of his deep, dark sin, and David would respond to this loving extension of grace with, with deep repentance and surrender. He was restored once again to God and became again that man after God's own heart. 
Hey, I'm thinking pretty well every one of us in this room or watching online wants to get close to God. I figure that's why you're here or watching online. The prophet Isaiah says, though, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one is turned to our own way. Yeah, we, we don't tend to stay close to God. We, we tend to wander. We, we tend to go our own way. But then the prophet Isaiah would say there is hope. For the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God made a way for us. Jesus, by dying on the cross, made it possible for the darkest of people, no matter how far away they've strayed, no matter how disgusting their sins might be, our God is quick to to our God is quick to forgive and restore when we admit our sin and we just come back to Jesus. Today, there are a number of you who remember a point in your life where you would say, "I remember, I remember when I really felt God's presence. I was close to God." I would, I would sense his friendship. Uh, there was joy in my life, but I've kind of lost that. I, I've drifted. I've, I've done stuff that I know I shouldn't have done. I, I don't think it's possible for me ever to get back to God. I, I don't think he'd even want me. If that describes you in any way or someone you know, I, I want to take you to a fairly well-known Bible story that just speaks to the heart of our God for people who are living far from him and how much God still loves you. It's the story that is commonly called the story of the prodigal son, but a, a better title for it, I think, would be the story of the loving father because it's really much more about the father than it is the son. I'm going to read this story to you. Actually, it's a bit of a paraphrase of this story. It's from Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11. Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. When the younger told his father, Give me my share of the estate now instead of waiting until you die. His father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings, took a trip to a distant land. Yeah, he got as far away from family as he could. And there he wasted all of his money on wild parties and prostitutes. About the time his money was gone, a great famine swept over the land and, and he began to starve. He, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. The boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the swine looked good to him. No one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, the hired men there have food enough to eat and, and to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as your hired man. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming and was filled with love and compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, and I am not worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the slaves, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him, and the signet ring for his finger and shoes for his feet, and kill the calf that we have in the fattening pen. We must celebrate with a feast of eating and drinking, for this son of mine was distant and dead, and now he's back alive. He was lost and is found. And so the party began. Don't you love that story? Yeah, I think it's one of the most awesome stories in the Bible. I love it. It's the story of you and me. We're prodigal sons and daughters who tend to wander away from our Heavenly Father, from the God who made us and is busy in love with us. 
This kid starts off saying, hey, Dad, give me what's ultimately mine and give it to me now. He's a selfish kid living the self-centered life. And the father says, okay, and off this kid goes to Vegas or Toronto where he wastes it all on wine, women, and song. He gets really messed up, hits the skids, and becomes homeless. At the same time, the nation slides into national recession, and there are problems with the supply chain from this famine they're having. And try all he might, but he can't find a decent job. Finally, he finds his farm with a help wanted sign for the worst job on the farm, slopping pigs. He's a Jewish boy. This is not good for Jewish boys. The Jewish law says you're not supposed to touch a pig. You're not supposed to do anything with pork, not touch it. Yeah, this is the worst job a Jewish boy could ever get. With famine-induced inflation, they're just not paying him enough in this job for food. I'm guessing he can pay the rent from this story, but in these tough economic days, there's just not enough food left uh, for food. And he starts to think, man, this pig slop is looking awfully good. But nobody gave him anything. And in his desperation, it hits him. Shoot my dad's servants. The poorest pay to them. They do better than this. What the heck am I doing here? And he knows he doesn't deserve his dad's love. He, he just wasted half of his dad's inheritance. And he thinks, this is what I can do. I'll go home to dad and say, hire me. I'd rather be a servant in your house than living here in the distant land, far from you, starving to death. And you know the rest of the story because we just read it, or fact is, many of you have heard it many times as you grew up in church. But friends, this is a story about how to get back to God. How to get back to God and let God grow you and transform you for the better. Now, I don't know where many of you are at today. You may be far, like far, far away from God but someone dragged you out to church today, or, or maybe God dragged you out to church, he does that, or, or something caused you to watch online. Maybe you haven't been in church for years. Okay, maybe you're a bit closer than that to God. Maybe it's just been a, a bad week or a bad month for you, and you know you've drifted from God. Let me give you several things that you can do to get back to God, and I've grabbed them from Rick Warren. I think they're helpful. They come right from this story that Jesus told. So to get back to God first, what do I need to do? I just got to get fed up with my life. I just got to get sick and tired worth with where I'm at in life. I've, I've got to reach the point where I say, I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm, I, I'm too stressed out. I'm, I'm too lonely. I'm too depressed. I'm, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm stuck in my addictions. And hey, I just don't like who I'm turning out to be. Life just sucks and... Yeah, that's how you need to be to start this journey back to God. But on the other hand, if you, you know, just think everything is fine, then nothing's going to happen. You must want to change. You must decide, I do not like this. I do not like my life right now. I'm tired of being all stressed out. I'm, I'm tired of being out of control. My, my addictions are killing me. My, my demons are overwhelming me, and I know that I am far from God. You've got to be desperate. You've got to be hungry. You've got to get anxious for change because nothing happens until you get up and just get fed up like the prodigal son did. Hey, some of you have had the door just blown off of your life. You lost your job, or you lost your marriage. 
illness or an accident robbed you of a loved one and in frustration and anger you took off from God, you just shut the door on him. Friends, in your pain and anger, God is there with you. You, you might have turned your back on him, but he's still right there with you. He's knocking on the door of your life. He wants to get your attention through this mess. He's there with outstretched hands wanting to restore and heal you. <coughs> Excuse me. But you've got to become so discontented with your current life that you become willing to turn to God and embrace the life that he has for you. God, through the prophet Jeremiah, says it like this. You'll find me when you get serious about finding me and don't want it and want it more than anything else. You'll find me when you get serious about it. When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. I've got to get serious about finding God. I've got to get fed up with the way I'm living. There's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be a better way than this. So you've got to get fed up. And when you do, the next thing is, I own up to my sin. We read in the story that this young wayward guy came to a census saying, you know, this is crazy, I, I, I can't maintain this awful life. And when he realized that to live without his father, to live without God is insane, he came to a census and said, I've sinned against heaven and you. Friends, this is the real critical part to coming back to God. You own up to your sin. You admit to God that you did wrong. You admit that life has gone downhill. You confess. You repent. You tell God, I've been doing it my way and my way is not working. I've been trying to control my life, but it's just not cooperating. I'm tired and I'm ready to resign as the general manager of my life and I just want to give my life back to you, God. Listen to these words of the prophet Isaiah. But your sins have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. Friends, if you feel far from God, guess who moved? God hasn't moved. God didn't move. God didn't go on vacation. God's always been there. He's never not been there. He loves you unconditionally. But if you feel far from God, you are the one. You are the one who moved. You moved away by giving your love and your allegiance to something or someone else. Maybe it's a relationship that is not good for you. Maybe it's an attachment to money and things that you don't want to let go of. Maybe it's an addiction that you're not ready to let go of. Maybe it's the porn you're consuming, the media that you're filling your head with that's got such a grip on you. Maybe it's biblical sexual standards that you refuse to see just how they're actually life-giving and, and make life richer and deeper. What is it that has caused you to move away from God? Because truth be told, you are only as close to God as you choose to be. And if you are not desperate, and if you are not willing to call sin, sin, if you have not reached the point where you are fed up enough with the junk in your life, yeah, I get it. It's hard to own up and call it sin and repent of it. But when you do, everything changes for the better. Life transformation for the better happens when you own up. Everything changes when you say, God, I've blown it. I've been doing it my way, not your way. I've been doing what I want to do. I want to turn my life around now and go your way. That's called repentance, turning around, going God's way. 
And that's what King David did when the prophet Nathan confronted him with his sin. David's like, he was already experiencing a, a whole lot of pain and misery in his life. God, having Nathan point his finger at him, was such a gift of grace. And David prayed a prayer of repentance for his dark sin, a prayer that we should all pray when God confronts us with our sin. Be merciful to me, O God, because of your constant love. Because of your great mercy, wipe away my sins. Wash away all my evil and make me clean from my sin. I recognize my faults and I'm conscious that I have sinned against you. I recognize my faults. In other words, I, I own up to my sin. And when you own up to your sin and recognize your faults, what does God do? This is God speaking. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. And friends, that means anything. Anything. Absolutely anything you've done. However dark and shameful, God stands there not only ready to forgive you, but to uh, make your life clean. God stands there ready to forgive and change your life for the better. Really. You can't say, as some of you say to me, you say, oh, Doug, I, I'm just too bad of a person. I'm, I, I'm too far gone. And while it's true that you don't deserve forgiveness, here's the truth. Our God is crazy in love with you and stands there ready to forgive and turn your life around and clean it up. He's ready to give you a new life with power to change. So, hey, don't tell God what he can or can't do. Heck, he wants to forgive you and give you a new life. Let him do it. Okay, if that's all you took out of this story, that would be enough for you to change right now and forever. But there's a little more in this story. And the next thing we see as we desire to come back to God, what do I need to do? Really, I need to offer myself up to God. In other words, I, I surrender my life fully and, and wholly back to God. I give him the totality of my being. I give my life totally back to God. We, we first saw this young man drifting away, saying to his father, give me my share, like right now, give it to me now. And then he comes back and he returned to the father saying, make me a servant. Do you see the huge change of heart there? This is the act of surrender that you need to do that allows God to do a work of transformation in your life. This is where your heart moves from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. In, in the statement of faith of our church family, the Alliance Canada, we, we talk about transformation like this. Sounds theological because it is, but it is the will of God that in union with Christ, each believer be sanctified thoroughly, which is both a distinct event and a progressive experience. Sanctified thoroughly just means transformed thoroughly into the person God would have you be. It's a process that starts now, and you will but you won't fully experience it till eternity. The distinct event is really the first time you surrender your life totally to the filling of the Holy Spirit. Some call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You just go, fill me, Holy Spirit. I, I need you. I need your power to change. But then we need to keep coming back to the cross, seeking to be filled again and again with the Spirit because we wander and we stray. Hence, our transformation, our sanctification is also a progressive experience. Just thought I'd throw in some Alliance theology for you today just to, you know, wake you up or put you to sleep, whichever way it works for you. But in other words, 
Transformation does not happen overnight. God continues to work in me and you, and it's going to be your entire life. It's never instant, but there is a decision, a distinct moment or event when you make this decision to surrender fully to Jesus and allow him to fill you with his spirit. Apostle Paul describes it this way. Because God is merciful to you, offer yourselves. That's it. It's a distinct event where I offer myself. I, I got fed up. I, I owned up. I offer up. Because God is merciful to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Friends, there is no ongoing transformation until you offer yourself up to God completely and wholly. And uh, because we living sacrifices like to crawl off the altar and because we stray, this transformation process will continue throughout our lives until we experience complete transformation come eternity. But hey, a lot of good stuff, a lot of amazing change can happen between now and eternity. Okay. Let's go back to our story and let's look this time at how the father uh, who represents God responds to the prodigal who represents you and me, filled with love and compassion. The father ran out to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Bring the best, bring the best robe, bring the best ring, bring the best shoes, bring the fatted calf, all these things. And notice this, this is key. The father didn't wait for the son to come home. While the son was still distant, the father ran out to him. The moment the son turned his face back towards the father, the, the father responds to him. The moment you turn towards the father and say, God, I'm tired of living the way I'm living, he will run out to meet you. Hey, he's not waiting for you to come. He's right there knocking at your door. He's waiting for this moment in your life. And he says to you, I know you blew it. Get the best clothes in the house. Bring the signet ring. You know what a signet ring is? It's kind of like a credit card. You press the ring into wax and deals are made and stuff is yours. And he gives this to, uh, to his son who had just blown half of the father's inheritance. You need to see this. God doesn't hold a grudge at all the dumb stuff you've done. He's ready to lavishly pour out his best on your life. God wants what's best for you. He has a better plan for your life than you can imagine. And then they have a great party that this son has come back. So how do I get back to God? Well, I get fed up. I own up. I own up to my sin. And I offer up. I offer up my life back to God. So maybe God is calling you to come back to himself. Do you hear him calling? Can you sense that call? I want you to know that when you come back to him, there is no condemnation at all. Rather, there's a party that happens. So would you say yes to him? Would you say yes to him even now? Tell him you're fed up with the mess in your life. Own up and confess your sin and offer up your life and full surrender him. Will you do that? Let me lead you in a prayer where you can do just that. And I'm going to do what we did last week, if you were here last week, and pray a prayer on the screen, or maybe it was two weeks ago at Easter, I think it was, that I did it this way, where we pray a prayer on the screen where we can pray it together and just ask, you know, Jesus to let us come back to him. And 
So what I'm going to do in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to pray together. Why don't we, all of us pray and support those who are really praying this because they really need to get back to Jesus. Let's stand together and pray this together. Let's pray. Father, when we think of your love and grace, we are overwhelmed and thankful. I come to you today and tell you that I am fed up. I am fed up with the way I've been living. I am fed up with life without Jesus. I am fed up with doing life in my own power. And I own up. It's not that you've moved, but I've moved from you. I've allowed stuff to come into my life that has separated me from you. Forgive me. And today I offer up. I offer up my life in full surrender to you. I ask you to take my life. Fill me to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Give me the power to change. I truly make you the Lord of my life to serve your purposes, to live your ways. And as you continue to stand, if, if you've never accepted God's gift of salvation, would you pray this out loud with me and let's pray it together to support those who are praying. Jesus, right now I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for loving me and dying on the cross. Forgive my sin. I give my life back to you. From this day forward, I will follow you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.